Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Whatever they're doing, I don't want it done here. (laughs) Nobody wants it done here. We have another giant trailer parked in the exact same spot. What did you think when you saw it? Well, I thought that doesn't look good <laughs> because it looks hideous. <laughs> yeah, this is it's a hideous. There is a, it looks to be if it was a boat, you'd be like, well, we can't put this in the water because there's a hole in the back end of this thing. Yeah. I mean, it just looks terrible and you does not look street legal. There's a hole in the no. bucket dear Liza, dear Liza. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And remarkably, it's gone. <laughs> Remarkably, I I I will tell you that just waiting for the next one. <clears throat> yeah, we <laughs> the week is early. <laughs> that's right. We assume that someone's going to play hide the trailer later in the week. Right? The best is when we drove over to your house on Friday. Liz can't stop laughing once we it's make awful. the right turn. It's awful. It's worse than we thought. So what happened was this trailer was much more hideous than the first trailer. Squatter, about thirty to thirty-five feet, not forty feet long, and in. Disarray. I love that you return to the dimensions. Disarray. Well, because you you want people to know this is not some small thing. And it's in disarray. It's got gouges all over it. It's garbage. By Saturday morning, or maybe even by Friday afternoon, I'm not certain of the timeline here. There are two toe stickers on it in bright yellow applied by the D.C. Police Department, giving someone in the greater department, the ability and the license to tow this thing. It also has a $100 ticket on it. The ticket is pasted to the side of the trailer, and there are two tow signs. Now, are these tow signs on top of the previous tow signs that had, that had been from different lives of this No, trailer? these are new tow signs, <laughs> new bright yellow tow signs. just says T-O-W. I went out on Saturday to play golf. I got back. The trailer was still there. I was sleepy. I took a nap. It's, I feel like Hyman Roth. I took a nap. When I got up, the trailer was gone. I don't know if it was towed by the D.C. Police Department. I don't know if whoever owned the trailer rehitched it up to a truck and towed it away. But it was gone. It is gone now. I don't know where it is. I had been told that the first trailer, which then surfaced on 45th and Ellicott? Correct. I was told it was about five or six blocks from my house again, just off Nebraska Avenue, just off Nebraska. I didn't go and look for it because I don't care as long as it's not on my block. The point I would make over and over and over again is simply this. If you are running a business where you refurbish RVs, God bless you for doing that. But you don't do it on a residential street that's not your own. Do it on your street and see how your neighbors feel about it, or rent a spot in a larger lot and do it there. Just don't do it here. Am I wrong? on? I, I can't believe I'm wrong on this. It's a residential street. It's not a business street. We're not in the RV business here. <laughs> you know when you go down 95, you go south on 95 towards Richmond, there's a giant RV lot right. on what would be the east side of the road? It's like it goes on for like a quarter of a mile to half a mile. Go do it there. That's where you do it. RVs. Giant signs. RVs. Am I wrong on this? You are not wrong at all. I just love your distinction between your residential and your business streets around here. I'd love to have my neighbor bring a 45-foot RV. 
No, you wouldn't. You'd no, hate no, it. of course I would not. You'd hate it. No That's one wants this. That's my whole point. So if you say you live, oh, I just live over there. No, your whole point is just not on your block. Yeah, go to where you live and see if it plays well where you live, because I don't think it's going to. All right. Um, I could talk at length about football, because football is what people care about the most. Giants and the Jets both won. I think they both won in overtime. I think it's the first time that ever happened. Terrible teams, and they won. Washington football team, courageous performance by Tyler Heineke. They win. They beat a bad team, Atlanta, but they beat the team. Uh, there's a lot of games important. None as important as the New England game. But Cardinals' biggest surprise for you right now? Yeah, they. Uh, Will Bond, so happy to crush me <laughs> yesterday in a phone call. So happy to tell me how great an Arizona team is and how wrong I am about the L.A. Rams, how wrong I am about Matthew Stafford. And I got to eat that. Yeah. Uh, because Arizona went to L.A. and won and won and pounded them. Pounded them. So it's my turn to eat on that. I, I accept all that. But we're not going to do a lot of football here now because, you know, I, I just wanted to. Before you, get, before you switch ahead. subjects, did you watch the start of the Patriots game? Did yes. you see any of the signage? God, yeah, I saw family, the goat Brady. things. Yeah, I saw all those things. Tommy and all of that. And goats and goats forever. and I The cleansing cry of Fox, bro. We're going to have. Bob Ryan talk about that because he lives in Boston and he understands this. That's a big number. That game got a big number. If you are a Patriots fan... number will be bigger than the scoring in the first half. Yes. If you're a Patriots fan, you can feel good about the fact that you beat the spread. Tommy won the game, but you beat the spread. If there's any satisfaction, that might be it. Tom Brady was off last night. He was deep. He was overthrowing everybody in the first half. I didn't stay up for the second half. He was overthrowing everybody in the is first half. Is there something half. about the weather that, that leads you to maybe, do that? Maybe. I mean, the ball is wet. I don't know. Or maybe you're just really adrenaline because this is, unlike, unlike what Tom Brady said originally, that it's just another game, he conceded afterwards it's much more than just another game. It was a very emotional experience for him. Those of you who waited as I did, I waited this morning to see it because I knew it would be the lead to see what the embrace was like after the game. It was, to me, typically Belichickian. It was a very, very brief, perfunctory hug, and he was gone into the night. It was borderline a side hug. Yeah, face just, out. you know, I you don't saw know. everything you needed from Tom, though, with the message he gave to Mac Jones. And again, when, yeah. they, when they came back from the break, and you saw, you saw the play that, uh, that Brady came up with that, that was called back because of a penalty, but it was the, it was the largest completion, I think, to that point. Uh, but then you looked at Mac Jones, and when they got the ball back pretty quickly with great field position, you saw the way his mind works where he went through a couple options, went to the last uh, sort of check down play, and was able to pick up eight or nine yards before a fumble then gave the ball back to, to Brady. But if you're a Patriots fan, you have to feel really good with the direction of that position. I, I don't understand why people are down on Mac Jones. Mac Jones appears to have real potential to be a very solid quarterback. A great star, not necessarily, but a solid quarterback. Well, for 12 years, win games. or for, you know, for better part of 15 years, you're winning 12 plus games a year. That's all you have so. to do. It's all you have to do. So I wanted to talk about baseball. And it's a very sad moment for me yesterday when the Nats were done. I, I mean, Eric Fetty, let me just list four people that should be DFA'd right now. They don't belong in the major leagues. They don't belong in the major leagues. I'm sorry, they don't. They're not major league talent. Austin Voth is not a major league pitcher. Eric Fetty is not a major league pitcher. Wander Suero is not a major league pitcher. Tanner Rainey is not a major league pitcher. They're not. They're not. 
They, they're, they're no good. Glad to see you support Finnegan. You know, I, I, I've seen Finnegan yeah. do some good work. Finnegan lost the game yesterday, but he didn't lose it. Fetty lost it. The sadness for me is that I am one of those people. I don't watch every game to the end, but I watch a little bit of almost every game unless they're on the West Coast. For six months of my life, in March and April and May and June, July and August, well, more, September, right into October. I guess you start in April, the end of March. But I watch these games, and I feel a kinship with that team. And I felt terrible when Mike Rizzo just blew the team up. I understand everybody's reasoning as to why he's got to be excused for doing it. But I will also say that he assembled this relief corps over the last five to six years, and it's never been adequate. It's really never Always been Always thinks he can fix it at the deadline. Yeah, and it's just never been adequate. And this time he blew it up. Okay. You know, okay, that happened. But I got six months without them now. And I don't, I mean, I will watch a little bit of the hockey and I will watch a little bit of the basketball, but it's not the same. It's not slow. It's not something you savor. It's not something you understand. It's not something you sit back and plan for the next thing. It's a, basketball and hockey are not that. They're fast motion sports. And all the analysis in the world is meaningless. Because the game doesn't stop for you. It doesn't stop. Football stops after every play. Baseball stops after every pitch. These other sports, they don't do that. And I'm going... Designed to be shared. I'm going to miss it. I mean, I could always... I could call Michael. I could text Chuck Todd. I could text Chris Saliza. I could say, look what's going on. And and I knew that they were paying attention. I knew no that, introduction necessary. You can just get right yeah, to it. And it's never that way with basketball or hockey. It's never that way. And football is a once-a-week sport. It's not the same. Baseball is the sport that comes into your life, seeps into your life, and takes control of your life, sort of like poison. <laughs> you know, it just takes control of your life. So you get And that. I'm willing to have it. Yeah, I'm you, willing. you get that with the playoffs and you think back to the stories like you know the the Randy Arenas where you start to say you start to root for teams you I get a month to, to watch. You didn't expect to root for. Yeah. And for me it's looking forwards and backwards. So the fact that you know yesterday Trey Turner hits a grand slam because I'm watching the wraparound coverage and I immediately you know just text you and solicit. No, I don't mention the play at yeah. all. I'm just saying like I miss Trey Turner. Yeah. Uh, so to bring He me, won the batting title in the National League. So I was going to ask I wasn't watching Mass and Live because I was doing the MLB channel to see the wraparound coverage, which I just love as they're breaking down plays. And they were so dismissive. I was They were watching the Mariners early and just so dismissive of the Angels' bullpen. We go, this leads nothing. All they need to be is well, a couple won. runs. Yeah, Seven, the, That Otani first home run was everything, just a, a straight line drive out. But they keep showing the, the scroll on the bottom has all the, you know, Strikeout leaders, ERA, batting average, home run, RBI, all was just Turner, all the stats. Was Turner not leading? No, to see all of the Nats and or former Nats involved in those storylines. Yeah, uh, you just sort of sit there, and I, I come back to a picture from that someone shared over the weekend. That's a picture of a young Soto, an even like a, young, a very only a child, yeah, a childlike Trey Turner with the elder statesman of of Bryce Harper. And you go at some point, people will think that this was photoshopped. That you saw all three of these guys, you know, wearing the same jersey at some point. But uh, no, I had the the two boys were sitting in an armchair watching that wraparound coverage. And Walker keep, uh, kept explaining to his little brother, no, no, Soda's wearing the red hat. No, he's wearing the red hat. And they did not have the Nats on it. But to hear the little guys, the next generation, getting involved as well. There was a moment in the game yesterday um, 
when Dan Coco interviewed Ryan Zimmerman's wife in the stands, and she said he hasn't made up his mind yet. Although the way Ryan Zimmerman looked at the crowd and the, what Ryan Zimmerman did reminded me of what Drew Brees did when he was leaving the Superdome for the last time, and you knew that he was going to retire. I don't think Ryan Zimmerman should retire. He had a very useful year. If he still likes to play baseball, he can play baseball. Yeah, what are down, your thoughts? It comes down to personal preference, and, and you... If, you, if you're going down the thinking that I think you are, you'd probably say there are probably plans in place to retire after the World Series, do your, do your tour of the cities, because you're not just a... So he, he is an interesting path as to what he's meant to baseball with the inception of this team, because he's, he's just below the attention of a lot of casual baseball fans, but he's a name that you've always known and heard of, particularly with the transition from third to the other side, and just those big, meaningful hits. He's a very good defensive first base. Yeah, so, so it made sense that you'd like to have the ability to say, say goodbye to the stadiums, to the staff, to all the other players that you see. So, so then when you come back to 2021, you go, okay, you're getting the full season, you're getting you're getting fans you're getting to see the the other plays in the sort of the full ceremony of that so then you might say it would make sense if your mind was already made up no matter what the production was this year uh or you just start to say i know it's it's it is in the best case for this team that my family does care so deeply about to try and give them the path to come up with full-time solutions because right now you're trying to come up with this equation where you go what's the correct formula is it 65 35 of trying to figure out first uh, first basis to how we can maximize what he's willing to give us when he can versus allowing the team to succeed for the entire season the problem with first base with the nationals is you have a switch hitter there in Josh Bell, who started out very poorly, but by the end of the season was a solid player. And because he's a switch hitter, that's less room for Ryan Zimmerman. I can't imagine, honestly, Ryan Zimmerman going to another team. I cannot imagine that. So I think the decision is, what is the path for me? Do I have enough playing time? Can I play 60 games here? Can I get 250 at-bats here? You know, and, and it looks to me like the answer is no. It looks to me like they're going to move on from him and hope that he moves on from them. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. But it's Too bad. So, so the Nats share sort of this farewell and, and the thank you message, and immediately the feed gets overtaken by Blue Jays fans. And it's, it's just... Oh, is that right? It, and it, was not, it had nothing to do with Zimmerman. It was just piling on the entire organization. All you had to do was win one game, hold the lead. <laughs> and you think about what happened Saturday and Sunday. Let, let, me, let me just go over this. You had one Because I'm listening to Rob Carpenter, or Bob Carpenter, I guess he goes BCFP. by. Yeah, I'm listening BK. to him say what a gallant fight the Nats have put up against Boston and how close every game has been. And I'm saying, did you not see what happened against Baltimore, the worst team in the American League? Baltimore beat Boston two out of three. Do you think it's some sort of a moral victory that the Nats came close in these three games? As soon as Fetty won the game, I just said, it's over now. Just over now. He just... Yeah. And then, and then let me, I'll end with this. And I know you're going to say, I wish you would just stop with baseball already. He's an old man enough baseball. <laughs> But I will just say this. There was a shot when Fetty was knocked out of the game. Do you know who he was sitting next to on the bench? He was sitting next to Steven Strasburg. Strasburg was in the dugout, the ghost of Washington success. Strasburg sitting next to Fetty. That was perfect for me. Perfect. We will get out of here. When we come back, there's more baseball. Mark Feinsand of MLB.com will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
because we're talking about sports, we're going to do the SeatGeek ad. Brace yourself for an existential question. And let me add parenthetically, I don't write the copy. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? That's what I'm reading. If not, then it's time to start using SeatGeek. Have you been treating your butt well lately? Has it been going places? No. Then you've got to try SeatGeek. Tell us about the app because you've got the app. Can I interest you in this? Yankees, Red Sox, Fenway. One night. One yeah. night only. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, there is actually, I'm, I'm on the SeatGeek app right now. You can find uh, some, some green dot specials next to a famous pole in Fenway right now for tomorrow night. The pesky pole. Yeah. Right, Nigel? The pesky pole. Yeah, it's a brilliant place just to watch the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whether it's concerts, baseball, basketball, football, festivals, or anything else, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek, as Michael said, rates every ticket from zero to ten to make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. You can get $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Tony at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. That's promo code Tony for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. That's better. Get your seat in a seat. I like that. Download the app today. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Eric Kramer. In his rookie year, throws scoring passes to Willie Green and Herman Moore. Barry Sanders is a decoy, just eight yards at the half. Then in the second half, he scores. It's the Lions in a laugh. 38-6, to that's the final score. Send the Cowboys packing, the roar is restored. 1992. 1992, <laughs> last playoff game, the Lions won. 1992. Kyrie How great is this? Lyle died. George Herbert Walker Bush declared the Cold War over. Subaru introduces the Impreza. Christian Leitner <laughs> is the player of the year for the Blue Devils. The Pope apologized to Galileo's ancestors. Yugoslavia still a country. Fred Couples wins the Masters. 1992, 1992, last playoff game. The Lions won. 1992, and to give you an idea how long ago it really was, my son. Next week they lost the NFC title game to Washington. It's the bandwagon year, 1992. That's Dan Byrne, of course. And he writes, during Friday's mailbag, listener Andy from Fort Mill, South Carolina, lamented the Detroit Lions playoff woes and asked whether I might write them a song. No way I will be goaded like that. Here's the song, 1992. <laughs> the great Dan Byrne, and he plays in Mark Feinstein of MLB.com. And... I had high hopes that we would have four teams in the American League and they would have to just claw each other to death before the actual wild card started. We are all set now. Are you disappointed that it's the Yankees and the Sox and ju not just that it's them, but it's just two teams and there's no more drama? I was hoping for the three-way tie. The, the four-team tie would have been you know, two games on Monday and then a wild card game on Tuesday. The three-way tie would have been play-ins play -ins on Monday and Tuesday. They pushed the wild card to Wednesday. Um, I wanted extra baseball. I love baseball. And obviously we get to see the, the playoffs begin on Tuesday with, uh, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I'm just curious how many times in the next uh, 24 hours we're going to hear Bucky Dent's name and Aaron Boone's name and, uh, you know, 
the talk about 2004 and uh, you know one game between the Yankees and Red Sox to uh, uh, to get to the next round is a pretty a pretty fun thing. Do you know how much I hate Eric Fetty? Do you have any idea the depth of my hatred for Eric Fetty? I mean, it's it's uh, it's so more, deep. more than Wander. Oh yeah, because this is you you've you've got to win this game. You're up five one. Okay, then it goes to five two, and when Fetty comes in, I think he gets a strikeout in his first out, and then he starts walking people and giving up hits. And I sat there and I knew, I knew it was going to go. Straight south. He's terrible. The, I mean, I you can give the Red Sox credit, and I think outside of Washington, people would say, what a comeback by the Red Sox. Good for them. They deserve it. But inside Washington, people know what a disgraceful bullpen that is and how sad and angry it makes you at the same time. But you don't have that because you're outside of, of Washington, right? Well, I think you probably have the entire uh, baseball community of Canada feeling the same way because uh, you know yeah. the Blue Jays yeah. the Blue Jays would have been playing a playing game today if uh, if the Washington Nationals had been able to hold on to that lead uh, that said you know the Red Sox are uh, are, are <laughs> the Red Sox are one of these overachieving teams. I mean, they came into this year sort of like the Giants with no real expectations of being any good. They were in first place for a while. The Rays obviously ended up surging ahead in that division, but uh, yeah. give Boston credit, man. That that's a team that did not did not come into this season with real playoff aspirations in the eyes of most. And, uh, you know, Alex Cora came back and, and did a real nice job with that club. I, I was going to ask you about that. Here's Alex Cora, and he has to sit out because he's implicated. And then they bring him back, which is different from what Houston does with Hinch. Boston brings him back. How do you think he did? And how do you think the Red Sox responded to him personally? Every indication is that he was a very welcomed presence back in that clubhouse uh, and that and that uh, he's a large reason for their success this year. I mean, he, he was not a guy who, um, you know, I think with Hinch it was different because he would have been coming back to the club where the violations occurred. Uh, with Boston, obviously, you know, the the, the big yeah. Astro scandal had nothing to do with Boston, so to speak. So, you know, for Cora to come back there, he had had success there. They didn't want to get rid of him. They sort of were forced into it. Um, and, you know, the players there love him. They respond to him. They'd run through a wall for him. And uh, it was it was the least surprising move in baseball when they brought him back. I mean, when he got suspended, everybody said, all right, so Ron Renick, will keep that chair warm for a year, and then Alex will come back after his suspension's over. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. And, and uh, you know, it seems like it's a good fit for both sides. You have talked about the Red Sox and the Yankees. We have seen the Red Sox on the Yankees on ESPN every Sunday night for the last 15 years. Everybody knows the Red Sox and the Yankees. On the other side, the Dodgers are going to play the Cardinals. The Cardinals were the hottest team in baseball over the last three weeks, and the Dodgers are the second-best team in baseball, if not the first-best team in baseball. What are your thoughts on having the second-best team in baseball having to play an elimination game? I love it. I know a lot of people kill the one-game playoff, the one-game wild card. I like it. I think it puts a premium on your division. Uh, I remember covering the Yankees uh, on the beat for many years, and there were years in the mid-2000s where uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox would be the best and the second-best team in the league. And come down the stretch, final weekend of the year, series at Fenway between the two, and they'd be resting players because uh, it didn't matter if you won the division or not 
because you were going to be in the division series either way. So, okay, so you didn't get home field. You had two games at home instead of three. It was more important to stay healthy, line up your pitching, etc. Well, you know, now we had teams in this weekend really trying to, uh, you know, the Dodgers and Giants were really trying to win this weekend and uh, really trying to, to win that division because they didn't want to be put in that win or go home wild card game. Uh, and so the Giants with 107 wins earned that right. Now, Unfortunately for the Dodgers, 106 wins uh, would have gotten it done everywhere else in most years. Uh, this year it didn't. But, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's an unusual year where you have a 116 win finish second. Uh, you know, you think back to 1993 when the Giants had 103 wins and didn't make the playoffs. Uh, it happens occasionally, but I think the Dodgers are in position to, uh, you know, get past the Cardinals, and then, of course, we'll get Giants-Dodgers in the next round, which could be just as much fun as anything. So let me get to that, because I like the wild card, and I don't mind if somebody's in jeopardy and they have to win. But I don't think the two best teams in baseball should be playing a five-game series. I think they should be playing a seven-game series. I think that once the four teams are set they should be reseeded because it feels like either Atlanta or Milwaukee is going to get a bye. And I don't like that. Where are you on that? Yeah, you know, my only issue is if you win your division, you, you should there should be some benefit there. And so if all of a sudden, uh, you know, a wild card team that had more wins than you comes in and, and gets that advantage, then I'm not sure I like that. Now, what's interesting is, it's not the weak divisions that have done this, right? The, the two wild cards are coming out of the AL East in the American League. The AL East had four 90-win teams, right? Yeah. That, that's more than the other two divisions had combined. Uh, you know, the NL West had two 100-win teams, which is one more than there was in the rest of baseball. So uh, this wasn't a case of, of them necessarily beating up on the weak division, Um I agree. I'd love to see a seven-game series, and they used to not let you play your own division, um, you know, in the playoffs until the, the championship yeah. series. But uh, you know, it's just the way it falls. I think this is one of those rare years where you see something like this. Uh, most years, it doesn't necessarily fall out this way. So you would not correct it. You would say, okay, it's rare. Just let it happen. That would be yeah, your position. Yeah, I, I think because okay. in this case, you're talking about making the Dodgers the two seed, and then both Atlanta yeah. and Milwaukee. Uh, end up going on the road for game one. Uh, you won your division. There's a benefit for that. Uh, I think I think the way it is, I, I, I'm not a believer in this happened once, so let's change it. Um, I think if it becomes a thing where, you know, for five years in a row, you see the two best teams in the game uh, who happen to play in the same division, who happen to uh, be in this situation, have to play in a short series, then maybe you discuss it. But how often are there two, the two best teams in baseball coming out of the same division with 100-plus wins? Probably not enough to, to change the format just yet. By the way, um, I understand why the Nationals were so terrible over the last 60 games. I predicted they would not win 20 of them, and they did not win 20 of them. But I have difficulty understanding how San Diego could have collapsed even worse than the Nationals over the last 40 to 45 games. And I have difficulty thinking that that guy will be the manager again next year. What do you think? Uh, that guy will not be the manager again next year. That guy, of course, is Jace Tingler, who, when he was hired, most people said, who? Uh, yeah. And now they're going to – my guess is that the next hire in San Diego will not be a guy that people say who. I think that 
A.J. Preller probably goes out and looks for a veteran manager who can try to sort of put Humpty Dumpty back together again inside that clubhouse. We saw a few different situations where uh, teammates were yelling at each other and fighting in the dugout. Obviously, yeah. the Machado Tatis one was the, the big one that got a lot of play because of who they are. Uh, you know, the Padres, embarrassingly, they were my pick to be in the World Series this year from the National League. I don't think I was alone in that prediction. Um, they had a really, you know, I think they had the best record in baseball through like 60 games or something. Uh, they were beating up on the Dodgers for a while. You know, they had a lot of pitching injuries. Um, you know, their, their acquisitions of Darvish and Snell uh, didn't quite pan out the way they wanted. I think the two of them combined went. 15 and 17 or something like that. Um, and, you know, they just they just couldn't stay healthy on the pitching side. And uh, it turns out you can't just uh, put together a good lineup and win baseball games, especially when you're in a division with the Dodgers and Giants. So, yeah, I think there will be a new, a new manager in San Diego next year. And uh, I expect them to be a factor again going forward. I, I don't think this team is just going to uh, have a bad second half and then just wilt away and never be heard from again. There's too much talent there. Speaking of managers, Dusty Baker has no contract for next year. All he did was take his team to the playoffs two years in a row and shield them to the degree that he could from the slings and arrows of the fans out there. He's got no contract. He's my age, so I worry about things like this. Do you think that Houston will bring him back? I would have to think so. I mean, uh, unless there's something going on there that we don't know about, I I don't know why they wouldn't bring him back. He's done a great job there. He seems to be uh, well-liked amongst the, the, the people in the clubhouse, and uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't back. He's done a great job there. Uh, you know, the Astros are, are in position to, to do some damage this October, uh, and, you know, I, I think that that team, especially the core of that team, the Bregman, Correa, Altuve um, group, I think they need to win again to erase the stigma of that 2017 scandal mm-hmm. championship. Uh, I, I think if they don't ever win another one, then and th- that 2017 is the only one they ever have, people are going to look at it differently. And if they can come out and, and win again with a different manager and a bit, bit of a different crew um, and no scandal around them, uh, I think that would go a long way in legitimizing sort of their their entire run there, which has been you know spectacular. I mean, they've been one of the best teams in baseball for the last five years. Um, but I think Dusty certainly deserves to be back in 2022 and beyond. All right, we'll get you out of here on this because these things are done when the regular season ends. They don't include the playoffs. Who are your MVPs, and are both of them not on playoff teams? Both of them would not be on playoff teams for sure. Uh, I think no matter who you think is going to win, whether it's Otani or Vlad, I think it's Otani in a, in a route. Um, mm-hmm. Vlad, I really had, I was trying to make the case for him for a while. He sort of disappeared the last couple of weeks. I know he had a big hit this weekend, but uh, I think Otani, just what he's done has just been so spectacular to watch and to marvel at. Um, and, you know, he's two players in one. So if, you, if you're talking about most valuable, I don't know how he's not the answer there. National League, I would still go to Teeth. I think his season was, was excellent. Uh, I know Bryce Harper is going to have a lot of support. I think there's a probably sense out there that he's the slight favorite. Um, again, Philly went 82 and 80. Bryce had a good year, a very good year. I don't think it was as good as his MVP year when he was with the Nationals. Uh, and I think Tatis is a more dynamic player in general, but whoever wins it, 
not you know they'll be they'll be well rested to to uh, to receive it when they when they get it in November because they're not playing in October. And nobody on the Giants, the most surprising team in all of baseball. Nobody on the Giants. Yeah, they're one of those teams that sort of everybody, you know, the, the old different hero every night kind of thing. I mean, Buster Posey had some, some chatter around him early in the season. He doesn't have the numbers for it. He's, he's the most valuable guy in that clubhouse for what he does, um, you know, behind the plate and, and at the plate. You know, Brandon Belt had a really nice year. He's not going to be an MVP. He was hurt for, for half the season. Uh, Brandon Crawford had a really nice year, but you put his numbers next to Tatis, and you're like, well, right. how could you give it to that guy? So I, I just there, – there is not a guy in that on that team with the numbers to warrant an MVP. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, they'll, they'll have the manager of the year. <laughs> oh, sure, and Philadelphia may regret that. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon during the playoffs. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls. Uh, We will take a break. Bob Ryan will join us, and Bob will talk about what it was like this weekend in New England uh, with the return of Tom Brady. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Compared to pumpkin patch photo shoots and costume planning, shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius can be one of the easiest tasks on your October to-do list. Filling time between trick-or-treaters? Try shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius. Get free quotes while giving out free candy. It'd be so great. I can't come to the door. I'm thinking about <laughs> home and auto insurance. It's so great. We can't tell you what to dress up as for Halloween, but we can tell you that you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Because you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance company, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here's Mardi Gras. We play them all the time. We love Mardi Gras. And they write, we can't thank you enough for playing our songs. We have one more for you. We're presenting our single from zero to one. Produced by Stuart Epps, who's the music director of Elton John and Led Zeppelin and Oasis and Zach Starkey and people like that. Everything begins with the first step, the first move, be it after a breakup, overcoming a loss, deciding what to do after college and so on. Once a chapter in your life book ends, a new one begins and sometimes it's hard to see past the end point. That's where friends and family and loved ones come in. As a guardian angel, there will be that someone who supports you on your way and helps you get to the lowest point, even when you might feel all alone. That's lovely. It's from zero to one. It's Mardi Gras. And Michael, if people like Mardi Gras want to send us their music, and by the way, you can listen to it at the end of the show without me talking over it. How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. Bob Ryan joins us now, the center of the sports universe. Over the last 24 hours was Boston, Massachusetts, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It was because Tom Brady came back for what we all believe to be, even though Tom Brady might play forever, for what we all believe to be the last, first and last time. 
to play in New England because the way the schedule works, he's got to wait eight more years. <laughs> they play across divisions once every four years, and they alternate home and away. It would be eight more years. What was it like, Bob, in Boston all week, and how do people feel at core about Brady? It was predictably uh, obsessive. Uh, it was a 24-7 uh, uh, discussion uh, and speculation about how uh, he and Belichick would interact, if at all. And, you know, just, what, just the whole thing, was, you, can, you can imagine. And the outside world certainly accentuated it. When the NBC's doing its two newscasts on Friday night from Gillette, that tells you a lot. But it, and so, yeah, it was predictable. It was, it was over the top. I mean, obviously it was the only thing they talked about in, in local talk radio, even overshadowing the Red Sox, who, by the way, you know, put, really had a fantastic finish and, uh, and, and an appetizer for the, for the game yesterday, for the football game. Anyway, it was, it was what you think it was, Tony. Now, the reaction from what I gathered, uh, you know, sitting in my, my, my favorite chair, uh, he, he, I watched him take the field, and I, I heard the cheers. And, and then uh, when, um, when the game started, uh, they treated him like the enemy, which, and, and he laughed about that and thought that was the way it should be, and I agree, that's the way it should have been. So I have a friend, Adam Mandel, who went to a wedding in Boston over the weekend and said that there was an actual goat parade in Boston. Actual goats were being paraded <laughs> through the streets in honor of Brady. I would imagine, and I did see the booze when he started the game, I would imagine that people are really conflicted because they've got to love Tommy. Come on, it's six. It's six Super Bowls. They got to love Belichick, too, and they see this as conflict, right? It's conflict. Well, the, the, all right, here's, hey, I don't have to tell you. You don't understand it. That it like, it's easy to like Tommy. Uh, you, you put up with Belichick because he, yeah. he, he makes it, he takes some of the fun out of it, the way he has gone about his business. There's no doubt. People don't love Belichick. They respect Belichick. They appreciate what he's done. But what has he done on a personal level to make you love him? This isn't Bruce Arians, who's a people person. This isn't uh, Harbaugh, who's a human being, uh, you know, whoever. This isn't uh, Andy Reid going back to Philly and talking about cheesesteaks, which he did. Um, no. Uh, this is Belichick. We all understand this. I'm always chosen it. I think it's an act. I think I think he's compartmentalized his life, and this is the way he wants to present himself to the public. But uh, for whatever reason, they don't love him. I don't think you know. And, and and so remember, the whole issue was why did he leave? And and people, a lot of people are angry with Belichick for for quote unquote allowing Tom to leave. Uh, the, so it wasn't. You know, he's never been loved. I mean, I don't know how you can view this in any other way than Bill Belichick made a football decision that said, we can, we will be all right without Tom Brady. So let him go. Is there any other way? You, it didn't look like Brady wanted to go from the start. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants to leave Green Bay. It wasn't that kind of a situation where he was at odds with management uh, as Rodgers obviously has been and, and continues to be. No, um, no, he did want to leave. Uh, I, I, I remember you go back to the telling uh, interview with Jim Gray. You know what I'm talking about a couple of years yes. ago when he was asked in so many words, do you feel sufficiently appreciated in New England? And his answer was, I plead the fifth. It wasn't done with a tongue in cheek. It wasn't with his eyes twinkling. It wasn't smiling. It was his, it, it told you all you needed to know. And people did not 
choose to read into that and take it at face value the way they should have. And if you read the book Dynasty, now I have not read the Shut Seth Wickersham book that's right. getting all the pub this week. Uh, because of the, revel- the so-called revelations that are in there that are very negative. I did read Dynasty by Jeff Benedict, and when you read that, you come away with the understanding that Brady felt unappreciated, A. It was a combination. And, and, he, uh, and also, you saw he had a better weaponry if he goes to Tampa Bay. And Belichick didn't do anything to, to stop it. He, he was ready to move. He was ready to move on with Garoppolo, Tony. He was absolutely ready to move on with Garoppolo. And, and so he was ready to move on, yes. And, and he, has to, he paid the price last year. If there's one thing everybody expected to see, it was after the game, what would happen between, physically, between Belichick and Brady. Were you satisfied that that reflected who they were? Is that what you expected? It appeared oh, to be Bill, a very you know, perfunctory hug. I, I thought that Bill lived up to Bill. Bill. Bill was Bill to the end. I think Tom would have, uh, would have been very happy if they'd had a real a minute exchange, a warm embrace with a little, you know, little dialogue. There was a little, I guess there was something whispered if you look at it in, in there, but it was very brief. It was perfunctory. It was, it was, it was Belichick, all right, I know the world wants me to do this, you know, and I'll do it. You should have heard him this morning on his weekly radio, by the way. He was, he was predictably sour. And um, so I, I, it was all that was it. It was, it was. I think Tom would have appreciated something more, but but he, he knows as well as anyone what to expect from Belichick. So there was a comment earlier in the week. I think it was Thursday by Heath Evans, who used to play for the Patriots among other teams, and he said that Tom Brady wanted to smash Belichick. That this was much more important to Brady than he would ever let on. Do you believe that? I, I found that one a bit excessive. But I mean, what do we know? We don't know. You know, we don't know these people. Uh, we, we, you know, you know. We, how many times have we talked about that? About you know, we don't know right. these people. We, 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 uh, we, we think we know something about them. But no, I don't know. I found that I, I arched an eyebrow on that one. I, I find that one hard to believe that he that his feelings about Belichick and the way he was coached and the way he felt that he should have gotten a little more special treatment than he got uh, in the end, which is what you get, the impression you get from reading the Dynasty book, the, Bel- the Benedict book. But that, to say that he wanted to crush him, I don't know about that. I, I, I would find that one uh, difficult to believe. There is a, a third party in this, Robert Kraft, who goes pretty much unnoticed in all of this. He had the ability to step in and do something, I assume. He appears to have sided with Belichick. I'm not sure that I wouldn't have sided with Belichick also because he's the architect of all of this. And, it, and Brady was 42 years old when he left. But has Kraft been vocal? Is there a sense of where Kraft is aligned in all of this? Or is it a tightrope he is walking? You have just defined it. He, he considers Tom Brady to be a surrogate son. He's the, he's the next, the other Kraft son, and, and de facto son. And, and but he's got to live with Bill. He still knows Bill's a great coach, uh, even though you know the, the, there are times when Bill will drive you crazy, uh, and, and certain with his public you know um, demeanor. So I think Kraft was caught in the middle there. I think uh, he didn't want to uh, alienate the coach. Uh, I think he would have been much happier if Tom had stayed, uh, but um, he still got Belichick, and he still wants him as to be his coach, and so he had to go along with it. And then once again, Tony, if you, if I'm, I'm not here to proselytize for Jeff Benedict, except to say I did enjoy the book. And when you read the book, the premise that he starts with is that we must start with Kraft, that he is the mm-hmm. orchestrator. He 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 brought Belichick in. He he just he 
went through, you know, jumped through hoops to get Belichick. You know about the HC of the yes, NYJ, I and I was there, and, 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 and I thought the guy was unhinged, and, and he wanted them, and people laughed and mocked, and, and, but he was steadfast. This is the guy he wanted. He's wanted him all along, and then, of course, Tommy comes along and then, you know, became what he became. So, but, but Kraft orchestrated this, and, and you know, he's the, he created this, and he's the key figure, ultimately. Do you think Kraft will ever go public with how he really felt at various points? He doesn't. He's he doesn't have to. You know, he, he doesn't have to be on the record in the way that athletes or coaches have to be on the record. Do you think we'll ever know what he felt? I, I don't yeah. think there will be uh, that Kraft will be giving doing any tell all, which will say, "Well, yeah. here's the deal. Here's what I really felt about Bill." Uh, I don't think you're going to get that. No, I agree with that. So you you alluded to this early. And I didn't bury the lead because the lead is Tom Brady. But the Red Sox came back against the Nats last night. They, you know, got to the awful Eric Fetty and they won that game. And they're in the playoffs. If you're, if you're a, a Boston fan of sports, it seems almost like a double win because the Patriots covered, even though they didn't win, and the Red Sox got in. What are, what are people thinking about the Red Sox and how well, they got in? I haven't been out to interact with the public uh, yet, but... Uh... Uh, it, it, they are the secondary story. There's no doubt. But for those who still prefer baseball, namely me, uh, <laughs> I, I would have been happy at the, you know, the, the, if there had been no more activity after that Red Sox game. But uh, yes, it, it, it capped off Tony in, a, in a, an appropriate way, a, a, a surprise season in which they were not expected to be very good, and in which uh, new people came I mean, played in prominent roles. And in which they, there were times during the season when they looked very good. There were times during the season when they were woeful, and, and, and their fundamentals are terrible. They run the bases awfully. They, they're a shoddy defensive team. But here they are. They, they found one more time. They, they got off. Uh, they, they came back. They, they were down 5-1 to one in this game. And, yeah. uh, and the kid, what a story that would have been. This, this uh, Yohan Adan, in his major league yeah. debut. Nine strikeouts. Or eight or nine strikeouts. With yeah. the exception yeah. of a home run by Devers. And, uh, you know, they, uh, it, that would have been some story. No, it, it, that's a, it's a wonderful story. And the idea that they're playing the Yankees, of course, uh, uh, is, 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 you know, big, 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 big deal around here. That's going to be a, a electric in the ballpark tomorrow night. Here's who's not starting, Chris Sale. Who's starting for Boston, and what are your hopes? Uh, you know, I don't know who's starting yet. Uh, I have to figure it out. I, 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 I guess Evaldi uh, would be the mm-hmm. logical person. I don't think. I think he was the only person who wasn't available to them yesterday. Pavetta wound up getting the the, the, the save. Um, yep. Sale was a, a a disappointment. He did strike out a number of people, but he he uh, he did he couldn't uh, get the job done, and 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 was was yanked very uh, with a really tough look on on Cora's face after he issued a four pitch walk to Ryan Zimmerman to force in a run. And, um, you know, he, he gets 30 mil a year, Tony. People aren't really thrilled with him this year. Plus, he's unvaccinated. That's another story. Oh, oh, that is another story for another day. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Anytime, thank you. Tony. Bye-bye. Bob Ryan, boys and girls, the quintessential American sports writer. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. It's the first Monday in October, and you know what that means. What does it mean? It's time for themed holiday copy. Okay. And this is the underpants read. Are you afraid of the glow in the dark? Are you, do you remember that TV show? No. Okay. No. Terrifying. Mm. Well, shield your eyes because the new MeUndies Halloween just dropped dead. 
If there's one collection you don't want a ghost, it's this one. With five new prints to turn up the terror, you should summon them before it's too late. Now, here's where I'm embarrassed to admit. I'm just wearing a basic pair of MeUndies. It's like a red and black print. That's not holiday-themed at all. I missed a huge opportunity. I wasn't really thinking ahead. Whether you're out running a killer or being abducted by aliens this Halloween, be comforted by the fact that your undies are not only sustainable, but also the softest in town. I like that when you're trying to outrun that killer, you're focusing on sustainable, sustainable underpants. Mondays are made from natural fiber sourced from beechwood trees, making their micro-modal fabric soft, breathable, and dangerously cozy. Get your spooky season up and haunting with five new prints. I see you soon. My boo, tricks and treats, lazy bones and lazy pumpkin. Available in undies, bralettes, socks, and loungewears. Its size is extra small through 4XL. There are lots of options to consider, but you better make a decision quickly because there's somebody right behind you. MeUndies has a great offer for Tony's listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has a promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. To get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony K. These underpants are terrifying. That's a very good read. You ought to think about getting the boys the extra smalls. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Okay. Good read, though. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's from Phil Coleman in Tucson, Arizona. It says, after listening to the Flugelhorn, Flugelhorn jingle from the Wednesday show, I was inspired to arrange and perform my own version of Gary's mailbag theme in the form of a multi-track Oktoberfest umpa dance on the euphonium. What's a euphonium, you might be wondering? It's a medium-sized four-valve conical board tenor-voiced brass instrument, or as the flutist woman to whom I'm related by marriage tells people, a baby tuba. What are we doing out here, man? I hope that listening to this makes you thirsty for an IPA or a stout or whatever fancy concoction Saliza drinks. I know the spot is available because basically no one plays my instrument, but can I be the official euphoniumist of the Tony Kornheiser show? Sure. Absolutely. Solis is more of a kombucha man. Absolutely. <laughs> Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad for us? Bagel sandwiches this morning. Always a brilliant morning when we get Love those. It. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled, my friend. That'll just about do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me say in the words of William Joel of Long Island, Cold Spring Harbor, <laughs> Anthony works in the grocery store, saving his pennies for Sunday. Mama Leone left a note on the door. She said, Sonny, move out to the country. Ah, but working too hard can give you a heart attack. You ought to know by now. Who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that all you get for your money? And it seems such a waste of time. If that's what it's all about, Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm moving out. Thanks to our guest today, Mark Feinsand. Bob Ryan, thanks to our sponsors, SeatGeek, MeUndies, Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. And if you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Sounded like Bob Ryan might have been emptying the dishwasher at some point. That was a weird thing. That, that sound was really weird. So now we have some personal emails that we're going to get to, including one that Michael has to toss over to me. This is from Steve Sands, and I'm reading it directly. 
from a proud Washingtonian. Would normally say hello and how are you, but don't want to get hung up on, so we'll get right to it. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, the most exciting moment at the Nationals Park took place since Mr. Tony was honored four years ago. After a week of practice and angst with T-Boy Latchaway whispering on one shoulder and the incomparable Robert Berg singing on the other, Michael Sands had the honor of throwing out the first pitch in front of nearly 30,000 diehard Red Sox fans in D.C. Enter the Sandman. Usually clad in a shirt, tie, and sweater vest, we begged Michael to wear something that said Calvert Woodley or Total Wine Sucks. <laughs> he, of course, took the graceful route and wore a Nationals t-shirt. With his two young daughters proudly watching, knowing Jeff Ma had the odds of him bouncing it in there at minus 320, and Chuck Todd parlaying that number with his beloved Miami Hurricanes. As his heart pumped through his chest, Michael stepped up in a big spot, turned Munster into Bree, and hummed a heater in for a strike. Love sports. The cheesery, little bro. Best Sansy. One of the great emails we've ever had. One of the great emails. From Neville Waters. So I must thank you for my newfound acceptance among my Jewish friends in a Facebook sports group. I gained major street cred among your tribe when you mentioned how much I love celebrating Yom Kippur TK style. One guy was particularly impressed and asked if I was that Neville because you mentioned my name so casually as if everyone knows I am that Neville. P.S. to Michael, since Murray's Luca Garza will be joining Sidwell Sadiq Bay this NBA season, do we now have to root for the Pistons? And that is signed Neville, that Neville, <laughs> Neville Waters. Here's another one from Jake Hodesh in Cincinnati, the Pierre Cardin tie guy. He sent me that blue and red Pierre Cardin tie that I wear. We get the Sunday New York Times delivered to our house. Yeah, I'm 40 years old and I still like to touch a newspaper when I read it. One of my favorite gems in the Sunday paper is a section called Metropolitan Diary. I had to share this September 19th entry submitted by Danny Domoff with you. And it says, Jim Crashers. Dear Diary, on a rainy Queen Saturday in early 1968, or was it 1969, my buddies Andy, Carl, Charlie, and I gathered for our weekly two-on-two basketball game. Rather than play outside, Carl, who was a student at St. John's at the time, suggested we go into the university gym. There was a game scheduled for that evening, but the building was open and it seemed empty. As we walked down a hallway towards the polished wood floor, who should emerge from his office but Lou Carnesecca, the venerable St. John's coach? What are you doing here, he asked. Just looking to play some hoops, coach, we said. Get out of here, he said. Not unkind. We did. Why do I bring that up? Because I knew a guy named Danny Domoff at Harper College. They called him the Duke. Duke Domoff. I got to believe this is the same guy. The age would fit, everything would everything would fit. I gotta believe that's the Duke. I don't know how he got to St. John's from Binghamton, but he did. And one more, and this is from somebody who's inviting Michael. Mike Fouts is inviting Michael to play golf. And it says, I'm not even close to being in the same league with the great Dim Jimmy Dunn. However, I'd like to pay it forward for you and your father have meant to me through your weekly podcast. Information and last for life. I look forward to every episode. In the spirit of knowing that you're a golf geek like myself and you want to provide experiences for your young family, here's an offer that I hope you seriously consider for June 2022. My credentials, married, four children, three girls, one son, Ted, don't ask, 12 grandchildren, multiple grandchildren around your two young boys' age. I'm semi-retired and I've been fortunate enough to play many of the great courses around the world, list attached and a member of Omaha Country Club, recent host of the 2021 Senior U.S. Open, and member of Prairie Dunes, a Perry Maxwell Gem. And he invites you, Michael, and me with you, for next June to play a whole bunch of times in Omaha and in surroundings areas. And he says, I've got an extra SUV with children's safety seats. 
and I live in a building where I have access to an extra unit. So you'll have your own place with two bedrooms and your own vehicle. And then he talks about the Omaha Zoo and the College World Series and Prairie Dunes and all of these things. And it is the kindest. What a generous offer. It's the kindest now, offer we've ever had from Mike Fouts. <laughs> the kindest offer. We will save this and we will sincerely consider this. So Michael, you should I just wonder if he would have putted me. with his grandkids if he went over to the green with them, say, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I did, didn't I? You were, you were near them. You did not engage with them. They was, saw you make a putt on 18. By the way, you putted out before your group was within 100 yards of the green. And, I was and then you walked over to the green I, and, I shot and you spent the entire stumped. time on your phone. Where? At the putting green. Oh, no, I wasn't actually on my phone. Okay. I had my phone in my hands. I was watching you putt and I was watching Liz putt. And when the baby boy Bootsy putts, he putts backhand. He hits it. And when Henry putts, he putts with like a sort of Flintstones plastic putter. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And he's just whacking it like it's a baseball. He's, he's not ready for the big leagues <laughs> no, yet. No, he's really not. If you're out on your bike, everybody, tonight, as always, do wear white. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Duncan. <laughs> Eric Kramer, in his rookie year, throws scoring passes to Willie Green and Herman Moore. Barry Sanders is a decoy, just eight yards at the half, then in the second half he scores. It's the Lions in a laugh, 38-6, to that's the final score. Send the Cowboys packing, the roar is restored, 1992. 1992, last playoff game the Lions won, 1992. Kyrie was born, Lyle Alzado died, George Herbert Walker Bush declared the Cold War over. Subaru introduces the Impreza, Christian Leitner is the player of the year for the Blue Devils. The Pope apologized to Galileo's ancestors, Yugoslavia still a country, Fred Couples wins the Masters. 1992, 1992, last playoff game, the Lions won, 1992. And to give you an idea how long ago it really was my son. Next week they lost the NFC title game to Washington. You're trying to find a way to start again. One chapter of your books come to an end.
koko maailma eest varjuda. Lihtsalt sulgedes ilmad ja lasta kõige minna. See on tunne kui idea, mis suunas minema peaks. Et on selge, et ei saaga siia nullpunkti paigale jääda. But time will heal your wounds, so don't cry. 